it's Chili. Hey guys, it's sure nice to be with you again. This is a podcast for God's sakes. I'm going to tell you a little story here. Goose Creek, Texas in the early 50s was a classic boom town. The boom was gold, black gold. Oil fields and refineries sprouted from the humid coastal plain like mushrooms and salt grass. These opportunities provided post-World War II veterans jobs, jobs that paid well and were easily secured. The newly employed population needed goods and services, and these areas boomed as well. Riding with my grandmother Mumum to the post office was a daily ritual. We passed the new Roman Catholic and Episcopal churches on our drive. The new churches were tan brick and red brick, respectfully. The original wooden structures were replaced with this brick exterior as each congregation grew both in members and coffers. Higginbotham Motors was the new Plymouth Dodge dealership. The majority of the inventory was black, but all were shiny and lined up perfectly. Mr. Higginbotham was a showman. He flew American flags and played patriotic marches at all times on his car lot. Miss Vickers had a boarding house. There were two drug stores, ice cream parlor, sat among five bars around the corner from Roxy's Whorehouse. Yep. Trainer's Drive-In Hamburger Joint was across Market Street from Paul Prince Buick and the Rebel Inn. All these businesses were within a short walk of the front gate of the Humble Oil Refinery. My family patronized all these businesses regularly, but not Roxy's, of course, but my grandfather, Daddy Max, was the most frequent customer. I don't know if he went to Roxy's or not, but I would not be a bit surprised. His favorite meal was a hamburger washed down by several pearl beers from the Revel Inn. I liked to go with him. I'd get a malted milk, french fries, and tartar sauce. He was on his best behavior when he was at the Revel. As I said, I was always a willing tag-along lunch partner. One summer day during my sixth year on the planet, he invited me to join him for a burger. I ran to the faded Studebaker truck and climbed up into the front seat. The truck always smelled a little funny. Today, I suspect the unique aroma of that combination of spilled beer, camel cigarette smoke, and mouse urine was what I was whiffing. Daddy Max got in the truck and fired up the flathead engine with only one backfire, and we were off, or as off as Daddy Max drove in town. He never got farther along than second gear. He must have thought that he was driving safely, but the line of cars honking and following him thought differently. Oh, well. Fries were in my immediate future, and I blocked out all the commotion behind us. The old truck creaked and the tires cried as we passed over the oyster shell parking lot of the Rebel Inn. As soon as the brakes brought us to a stop, I jumped from the cab and ran into the restaurant. I felt the cool air and smelled the intoxicating gift of a sizzling grill. Daddy Max went directly to his booth in the middle of the restaurant. The booth was red vinyl with a tabletop of mother-of-pearl laminate. 
The Wurlitzer jukebox was in six feet of us. Around the face of the jukebox was a lighted multicolored band of plastic tubing with bubbles finding their way throughout. The records there were 33 and a third RPM vinyl. Each selection cost five cents and included the most current popular songs. Daddy Max would order his beers two at a time so they would not get hot on their journey from cooler to table and then into him. He ordered for himself and I told the neatly pressed waitress, I wanted the usual. Now how can you mess up an order of fries, chocolate, malt, and tartar sauce? They did not fail. The meals went down smoothly and the beer, whoop, You know, I had my share of sips, and it was smooth, cool, and really refreshing. Daddy Max had a habit of unbuttoning his khaki pants and loosening his belt when he first sat down in the booth. He let go a whoo when he got unbound from uh, from that belt. This day, uh, he had more than been overserved. He paid the bill with cash, wrapped in a rubber band, picked up his Stetson from the booth seat, and slid out of the booth. When my grandfather stood to depart, his unsecured pants fell to his ankles, and he landed face first on the linoleum floor. My grandfather wore no underwear. The sight of pale blue-gray buttocks was more than I could handle. The reaction of the adjacent diners ranged from laughter to gasp and finger-pointing. Slowly he got to his feet with the help of the cook and a couple of waitresses. He turned toward the booth to raise his pants and zip the flies as if nothing had ever been exposed or happened. The expressions on the faces of the waitresses and cook told me that this was not the first time this happened. He walked out the door as if nothing unusual had happened. I was waiting at the truck. We drove home in silence. This story I held for many years. At the time, I was embarrassed and confused. Today, I understand that his smoking caused his circulation to be slowed up. Therefore, he had a blue-gray butt. The river of pearl beer he consumed did not help either. Peace, chill out, and watch those intersections.